Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Frederick Bell on the line. Frederick, how are you? Very good. Thanks, Michael. Great to have you here. You do some amazing work uh, and I uh, love the backstory. So I want to share with the audience a little bit about you uh, and then we'll dive right into the awesome work you get to do. Sure. So I bit of background. I'm based in London in, in the UK here and we, um, we recently listed what, what was a few years ago a startup company um, with sort of $10,000 between us, recently listed uh, in Canada um, uh, as, as a elemental royalties. It's a gold royalty company. And I think the key purpose behind it was to give people you know, a better and easier way to get exposure to gold um, that also captured some of the upside. And um, my background is um, I studied history at university. So no, had no intention to go into mining. It was, it was accidental. But I think that sometimes they say the best things happen by accident. And, um, and I ended up in, in mining and uh, through a very path in Australia, back to the UK, and um, decided that yeah, setting up this, this royalty company was, a, was, a, you know, it was the best business model I saw in the mining space. And it was a really good way to give people exposure in our case to gold. And, and that's really how it, how it all came about. It's awesome. And the timing, especially now you know, over the last couple of years, uh, there's a lot more people that, and I'm thankful for this, there's a lot more people that are getting interested in investing. We've heard about all of you know the stocks and 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 things like that and cryptocurrency, uh, but you know the mining, you know minerals, gold, silver, you know the, the stuff that's been around for a long, long time. You know that that's an area, like you said, sometimes it may not be clear cut for somebody to say, okay, how do I invest in gold? If they want to buy a stock, then they go into the stock exchange, you know, through whatever uh, broker they want to use, they buy it and the way they go, but uh, it may not be as crystal clear uh, on how to invest in gold. And, you know, there's obviously a variety of different ways to do it. So, you know, what, I guess, you know, you said you fell into it accidentally. Let's go into that a little bit deeper. So, you know, how, how did that happen? You know, obviously for whatever you can share and I'm just curious to see you know, how that evolved and then to, you know, obviously, you know, the successful business that you have today. So it was, um, I, I did a four-year history degree up in uh, Edinburgh in Scotland, Edinburgh University. And um, I, uh, at the, during my time there, I, I did some work experience with junior mining and exploration companies um, that were based in London. And really, it was no more than just to get general business exposure and experience. Um, the fact that they were in mining, they could have been in, in you know, spaceship making for, for all that it really mattered. Um, and I, I, when I graduated, I was the, um, the sort of graduation class of 2009. So at the time I graduated the GFC and I had been planning to go into probably a finance role in London. And so coming out and suddenly in the environment that it was in, in the financial crisis in 2009, there weren't a lot of jobs going. And I, I ended up working for, um, alongside real estate analysts at what is part of Investec. So large investment firm now, and and um, it was uh, it was uh, I think a work experience that turned into an internship that turned into a paid internship that was probably going to turn into a job 
Um, but I, I got this call from people who I knew and um, they were working and they'd been involved in some of the companies I'd, I'd worked for for the last sort of two or three years while I was at university. And they said, look, there's this mineral exploration company. It has mainly um, uranium projects in Malawi. It's based in Melbourne. They need someone to go out with two weeks notice and, and sort of help them out in Melbourne. And I remember standing in the fire exit stairwell while I was doing this internship in the middle of the afternoon thinking this sounds crazy. Um, but also being young and thinking, well, flying to Melbourne sounds like it, it might actually be um, a really good experience. And um, uh, at the time, I remember my, my father saying it's you know good idea. My mother saying it, you know, mining sounds crazy. Stick in finance in London, nice, safe job. And um, I, I did take the leap and I moved out to Melbourne. Um, and uh, I, I think I arrived maybe on the Saturday, started work on the Monday. So I started work, you know, I, hadn't, I didn't have a flat yet or anywhere to live really. Um, and one of the people I worked with at that company, um, Richard, and, and Rich is in his early 50s, but Rich is actually one of the partners who set up Elemental with me. So I'm 34 by sort of background and um, I've spent now my whole career in mining. Um, and one of the things I found in this exploration company in Australia, and then I actually um, put another exploration company together when I came back to London in my sort of mid-20s. And um, uh, that company subsequently listed on AIM, which is a junior stock exchange in London. And, um, and one of the things I found with it is that mining is, it's a really... Uh, I think uh, exploration in particular, it's, it's a really high risk business model. Um, and it's probably a bit like tech companies. Um, and you need a lot of capital at the beginning because you're not planning on mining anything for maybe 10 years. So you can have the best gold deposit out there. Um, but actually, if the markets come down and you need to raise money, you can really get diluted. And that's always a, the danger for shareholders, dilution. And um, one of the things it made me sort of think about I think more critically was a business model. And I realized that actually the best business model by a long way is a royalty model. Um, you know, you get all the upside, but with none of the downside. So you get exposure. If you take a 1% gross royalty, you get exposure to all the, in this case, gold that's there, all the future gold that will be discovered for, you know, uh, all of, you know, as long as that mine goes and, um, and technological advancements, you get um, processing advancements. All the optionality is yours, but none of the cost and none of the capital expenditure overruns, none of the inflation in costs and salaries that you see that happen all the time. And so it's when you can put together royalties on different operations, you're suddenly more diversified than any of the big mining companies, diversified by operator jurisdiction. You, you have all the optionality of future exploration success and discoveries, and you have none of the downside. And, and, um, the royalty model in mining, it, it probably came partly through through royalties in oil and gas. And people, um, you know, one of the biggest royalty companies in mining, Franco Nevada, that, that saw it in oil and gas and, and they copied it and brought it over to mining. And um, when you actually sit back sometimes and think I'm working really hard, but am I working intelligently? And am I applying myself as effectively as I can? And I remember thinking, I've done all this work for this exploration junior. I'm in my mid-20s. I was working at the time, um, you know, I was the only employee of this company to get through pretty much the listing by myself. And I remember thinking, you know, this is still a sort of, um, you know, 50 to one, you know, shop in terms of, you know, uh, are we going to be successful? Because it depends on market timing. 
uh, expiration, success, all these things, some of which are outside my control. Whereas with the royalty model, we started privately, we were cash flowing from day one, we bought royalties on producing mines from some third parties, some of the major companies, um, and a whole mix and um, of probably a mix of third party royalty owners who weren't the natural holders. Maybe they were original landowners who had a royalty on it. Maybe they were a company that somehow were involved in the past and had kept a royalty. So we were able to put them together and we were cash flowing, cash flow positive from day one. And it enabled us to put together a portfolio so that when we did come to list last year, which is three years later, we had the track record to demonstrate what we'd done. We had a diversified portfolio and we had this critical mass that meant we could hire the team and hit the ground running. And all of those things came to make it, you know, make it, um, make it sort of I think, successful. And um, that's sort of how I ended up in the mining industry and specifically in the royalty business in the mining industry. It's an amazing journey. And I love the fact that it, it you know, obviously when you're in the middle of setting everything up, it feels like it's going on forever, but how everything fell into place and through planning and, and you know, strategic review and all of that stuff. Because I see a lot of times when any type of endeavor, whether it's an investment model, mining, or any type of startup type of business, there's a lot of fumbling along the way. But you know, in your situation, it was like, okay, here's what we do. Okay, this is the next step. This is the next step, and then you have it. And again, with you know the royalty model, again, it's you're you're getting a lot of the perks without a lot of the headaches, and that's and that's something where everyone's looking for that, you know, in any type of endeavor. It's like, I want to have this thing where it's generating revenue and I can do the things I want to do, but I don't want to deal with the headaches. And yeah. uh, in, in your model, I'm sure it still had headaches, but it still it was a whole lot more efficient by going that way than, you know, the traditional way that, you know, a lot of other organizations would, would go. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I think that the biggest mining royalty company biggest gold royalty company um, globally they have the second highest revenue to employee multiple of any company in the world and they're a 30 billion dollar company with 30 employees roughly speaking <laughs> so there aren't and that is exactly because of what you said you're not running any of these things you know half your team are accountants taking in the checks that you're getting normally on a quarterly basis so it is um it is sort of taking the cream off the top, if you could call it like that. But it also, I think it's actually, it's beneficial for the whole ecosystem in the industry because you're bringing in investors who want a different type of exposure. Maybe they don't want specific jurisdiction risk in a country. So you might have a miner and it might be operating in country A and they say, I don't, I don't like country A. I don't, I'm worried about it. And, or I just don't know enough about it. Um, with a royalty company, because you don't have to operate anything, it allows you to be so much more diversified. And that diversification is what gives you, uh, I think, a more direct exposure to gold with less of the asset-specific, jurisdiction-specific, community-specific risks that you have in a lot of mining companies. And that's why you know, I, I say that actually it's, it's easier for us in terms of talking to investors because we can talk to generalist investors and they don't need to be experts in a particular country or... Um, you know, particular region. They can they can look at it and they can say, okay, you're going to be spread across 10, 20. Each royalty we buy, we're more diversified. Lots of different countries, lots of different operations. And that diversifies down that risk 
that you have when you're a big mining company and you're very tied to a you know a specific area typically yeah, especially with world volatility and there's always you know countries that are under you know different challenges you know potentially you know there's you know government uh, challenges were civil wars or you name it. And, you know, if you go the traditional way that a lot of people do, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, you know, I've got my investments in, in mining in, in that country. And right now they're going through a battle or war and you're thinking, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> you know, it's like, and especially, you know, in those types of situations, you know, where, you know, you have those types of things going on and and sometimes in you know all is fair in love and war in war you know there's always a challenge that the government or the opposing parties whoever they are could you know they need assets to fight a war and all of a sudden they start seizing you know mines and all kinds of other things and all of a sudden you're like well i did have some of that now i don't have any of it because you know this political party or regime just grabbed it all because they did uh it didn't mean they had a right to it but they did and all of a sudden you're, you're looking at your you know, investments, you're going, oh no, you know, what, what's happened? So again, you know, the, the format of yours is the royalty model, especially the way that you have it set up is, is so much better and less risk. I mean, there's always risk in investment. There's no, you know, there's always going to be that, but the fact that the way that uh, it's been set up, uh, I think again, protects people. And also again, it, it allows, like you said, you know, the novice investor to get exposure to gold um, and in other, you know, and obviously that's, you know, I, I think pretty much everybody knows what gold is. Uh, so it's not like it's an unknown. You, you start explaining some, you know, cryptocurrencies to people, for example, and they're like, okay, what, you know, who, what, where, what did Elon Musk say on Saturday Night Live, you know, and all, and all these kind of things. And, yeah. But it's like, so a lot of people are still, you know, not clear on it. And there's so many variances with it. Uh, but, you know, gold is, you know, obviously something that uh, has been around for, for, a very long time and, and is, you know, a, a very, you know, it's always been a great investment. What, yeah. One of the, one of the things I think, and I have, um, you know, mid thirties, lots of friends who pull out their phone and they're investing in, in cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and, uh, their lawyers, accountants, you know, but they're sort of jumping on it and getting involved. And one of the things that I've always thought is every week, it seems to have another, um, another cryptocurrency, another way you can play it. And the, the, that's the biggest challenge I see. It's, it's not that there isn't some, um, you know, there isn't some value to some of them, but the problem is which one? You're backing a horse in the Grand National and there's 50 horses running. And, and the worst thing is there isn't a limit on the number of horses. So every week, another horse enters the race and there's another risk to yours. And so I think that's the difference with gold. Gold's been around, I think, a thousand years I believe when um, you know, the US invaded Afghanistan, they actually took gold with them because you can't turn up in some rural area in Afghanistan and, and pay them dollars or transfer to their bank account. But what you can do globally in almost any country in the world is turn up and actually use gold, which has been a form of currency of governments and, and people for uh, millennia. So I think that's, that's a real advantage. And um, um, for us, it would the the aim was you know we're a, we were a startup company three three or four years ago now, um, and I think you know our, our view was we know there's a lot of growth, we know there's a lot of runway ahead of us, but if we can protect the downside at the beginning, if we can make sure we have diversified revenue from day one, then that 
limits the downside because any good CEO of a company that you talk to or anyone talks to is going to say, listen to all the upside. These are all the things that we can do that can go right. But one of the biggest questions is always what can go wrong on the flip side? You know, I, I know that I'm going to get more upside in a small company, but where, what, what's my downside? And I think that we have an asymmetric risk profile in that we have very much lower downside and we, we have that really big growth runway ahead of us. We've been doubling our revenue year on year. And I think that that you can do as a smaller company. And it's much harder to do when you're a 20 or 30 billion dollar company. Well, yeah, there's too many moving parts for those large ones where the small one, you have the opportunity to pivot and quickly adjust or you know, when you recognize, wow, this actually works really well. Okay, let's let's focus our endeavors on that. So, so a novice investor, um, you know, watching this, you know, interview or listening to it, uh, how, you know, how would they be able to invest? What would what would be um, their approach? You know, what what kind of uh, investment are they looking at? You know, and, and all of that kind of good stuff. Because I think you know, there's going to be a lot of people. Because I get a lot of people listening to my show and you know, executive C-suite, and they're all looking to do different things uh, in investing, and not just in stock exchanges and crypto. You know, they want to look at you know diversification. Uh, of their assets and uh, gold obviously is, is a, is a great way uh, for that to work. So, you know, kind of walk us through what you can on, uh, you know, what, what they would do in order, you know, to work with your organization to invest. Well, I, I, I actually, sometimes I go even further and I say that you know, if you like the royalty business model, um, you know, don't even just take and you want exposure to gold, don't even just take an elemental, take one or two of the biggest names, and in, in the space and an elemental. And that way you, you even diversify your risk and you'll diversify your exposure among the gold royalty names. But I do think they are the best way to play the gold space. And that has been proven over the last 10 or 15 years. They've delivered better returns than, than pretty much any of the mining companies have. And certainly as an index, they, they have by a long way. Um, but we are, we're TSXV listed in Canada. Um, and our ticker is ELE. So that's the, that's the easiest way. We're also traded on the OTC um, QX in the US and our, our ticker there is ELEMF. And so those are the two, um, those are the two markets. It's, it's easiest to trade Elemental on. And, um, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I'm very pleased that we only listed last summer, but we've, uh, we've managed to get Elemental trading over lockdown in the UK as well. So I can actually, as of, beginning of, of 2021, I could actually sort of, um, you know, get people in the UK to trade it as well. And I think that's something that's, that's really interesting as well as a sort of phenomenon is how easy it is um, for people to go and trade. And you mentioned crypto, you can go and trade crypto anywhere in the world, it doesn't matter. But actually, sometimes it's sort of almost antiquated. You know, if you're a Canadian listed company, or you're, a, I don't know, a French listed company, it can still be relatively hard to trade you. In, in, you know, from around the world. And I think that's changing. I think it'll be much easier as we go forward to be able to trade stocks on your mobile in every single country because the platforms will get better and better at doing it. But at the moment, um, the US OTC um, with a ticker ELEMF and the Canadian TSXB with a symbol ticker ELE. And um, I think you should be able to get there from pretty much anywhere. That's great. And I, I highly encourage, again, I want a disclaimer, probably should throw this at the beginning, uh, that we're not offering investment advice. We're just offering information. What you choose to do with your investments is up to you and your financial advisors. We're not going to tell you to do this. We're just showing you if you like to. 
these are some ways for you to do it. And, and I agree with you. I think the globalization of investing is coming, um, which is going to be great because, you know, for people that want to, I just think about it. It's like, okay, if there's certain activities and certain exchanges around the globe, whether it's in France or the UK or something like that, where there's something that is only traded on that exchange, you know, globally, people could go into it, which obviously could, you know, dramatically uh, impact the success of those organizations based on the great work that they're doing, doesn't matter what they're doing. Uh, and I think it just, it bodes well for 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 the globe and, mm-hmm. and the well-being of everybody when it comes to finances and investing. And I, I just on a personal level, I mean, I love being able to download podcasts from the US or from Canada or from Australia or wherever it is and listen to them in the morning or, or just in the evening. And um, yeah, it just, uh, I think, opening up that audience, it's so beneficial for everyone. And there are so many examples of companies that were successful business models. Say um, there's one that was very successful in Japan and, and it was actually copied in Europe. And the guys who started it, it's now a multi-billion dollar, um, you know, very successful company here. But actually they took the original concept, which was being done very well in Japan and just replicated it. And that was, I think, because of the, the access to information and, and the ability to sort of see it now on a global level. And um, it's, uh, it's probably, um, again, it's, it's when I look back at us, just even Elemental as a, as a small $100 million company, we, um, when we started, uh, I was based in London. Richard and Peter, my two partners, were based in, in Melbourne and Adelaide in Australia. And the first asset we bought um, was, in, was in Africa, the next asset we bought was in Australia, then South America. We've subsequently listed in Canada. Um, you know, when I look at it, we are in every sense a 21st century company. We couldn't have done this even 10, 15 years ago because it would have been too difficult. And we listed last summer in the height of COVID. And um, I think I've been in my, my living room doing roadshows from sort of 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. nonstop on days. And uh, we haven't met most of our institutional investors the board as it is today have never sat in the same room. We're spread across three continents. And it's incredible to think that is, that is you can do that as a new company, you know, IPOing <laughs> and, and never meet a lot of your investors or, or board. So it's, um, it will be uh, a lot of fun when we do actually finally all sit down in the same room. Um, but it, it just shows what's, what's possible. Yeah, it's this pandemic has created a lot of new ways to do things. And as much as I am not a fan of the pandemic, and I don't think anyone is, the, the opportunities that have been birthed from it, uh, I think is going to be ever-changing for all of us uh, for the good. So, Frederick, I've loved this conversation. Uh, you've already shared some stuff, but where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you're doing? Well, our website's the, the best place to start, and that is www.elementalroyalties.com, all one word. And then um, from there, um, we should have links to everything and announcements and presentations. But um, always say that you know, we actually do enjoy people reaching out to us um, because it's, uh, it's, it's one of the nice things is when you can talk to people who are either interested in, um, in hearing about the company or or have already done some work themselves and invested. So it's, um, if you do ever, uh, anyone wants to reach out, we're always very happy um, to, to take the call and to speak to you. That's awesome. And I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Frederick, thank you again. Congratulations on all the great work so far and continued success. Much appreciate it, Michael. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.